0: Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace
1: and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio. With Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10:10. 10, 10. And today we put the finishing touches on this series called Jesus has left the building as Pastor Sean goes from the gospels back to where it started with the law and the book of Leviticus. And what does the law for the nation of Israel mean to you and me today? Can I eat bacon and shrimp and trim my beard? The message today is called Jesus and the Law, so let the teaching begin. This is Real Life Radio.
2: I want to suggest you, as you read through the Old Testament law, which I think you should read, through the Old Testament, I think you should understand the Old Testament law. But what you're going to discover is from the beginning, it starts pointing to Jesus Christ. And then the Gospels that we just are, this week, are completing up, reading through is the story of Jesus Christ. And then the rest of the New Testament is all pointing back to Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The law is the bad news that opens my heart to the good news of the gospel. The law is the bad news that opens my heart to the good news of the gospel. And here, this is such an important principle. You've got to understand this. It's very unpopular to talk about sin. Oh, that's so negative. Don't tell me about hell. That's so downer. Uh, Just tell me the good news. How about the happy news? Yay! That's kind of a thing in the church. Here's the problem. You will never appreciate the good news until you understand the bad news. The good news is you can be saved in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Saved from what? Why do I need to be saved? It's not good news if I don't understand what I need to be saved from. The law is fundamentally designed to take the bad news and put it in front of us and show us exactly what the problem is. That's what the purpose of the law was. God worked through a people, Israel. And what's so beautiful is he encoded certain things in the DNA of this culture, the people of Abraham the children of Israel. He encoded things into their DNA so they would fundamentally understand when the time of Jesus Christ came. To those who had an open heart, certain things would fall into place and make sense and be like, oh my gosh, now that's good news. The law is the bad news that opens my heart to the good news of the gospel. That's what the law is. Now, a couple observations, a couple ways the law does this. The first, the law is a ruler. I want to do, just use a couple metaphors to show how the law does this. And, and these are things that we've seen highlighted through the New Testament, but I want us to take a look at them. The law is a ruler, a standard measure of righteousness. Psalm 19:7 the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. We just read it, Romans 8, verse 4. In order that the righteous or the right the true requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the simple nation, nature but according to the Spirit. This idea that there is a standard that has nothing to do with our opinions, that there is a law of right and wrong, there is truth regardless of our opinions of it, that is an idea that is so under attack culturally. I mean, we stop and think about it. When we start thinking about right and wrong, and it's like, sometimes you sit and look at things with, with and you read articles, and you hear different kind of public discord, the comment section of a, a website article, and you go, what is going on in people? Do they have no concept of right and wrong? And here's the deal, very simply, there is something inside of the human heart, something inside of us that wants to remove any thought of right and wrong, any thought of a higher standard. You know Why? because then I can set up the standard. And you know what the standard becomes? Whatever I feel like. There's a little something inside all of us that kinda wants to be God. It's called the sin nature. And so whatever kind of thing that points to God and a higher standard or a higher level of accountability, a creator, we're gonna attack that because if I can attack that and in some way at least fool myself into thinking I've disproved the existence of God, then guess who gets to be God? Me not you guys me no <laughs> so this idea of there being any standard is absolutely under attack it's the idea of holiness holiness absolute purity and perfection holiness means perfect pure lacking nothing and there's this concept throughout scripture of the holiness of god and we don't understand this is the whole problem This is why the cross, this is why Jesus, this is why all of it. God is holy and pure and sin, sinful man cannot stand in his presence. So our sin, and Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin absolutely separates us eternally from God. And in fact, the scripture is very clear about sin. Romans 6.23 says what? The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the law. Do you know that's a concept from the law? Hebrews 9, 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission or payment for sin. And I know some people go, but that's gross. And why have we got to talk about it? Isn't that kind of old-timey? It's a very basic prepos- uh, proposition. And it's simply, our sin incurs a death penalty. That's the justice. That's the judgment. The judgment on sin is a death penalty. That's why they say without the shedding of blood, because shedding of blood represents the giving of a life, the life flow. So that's why there's all this talk about the blood. Why, mentioned, why does the law talk so much about the blood? Why the Gospels talk about the blood? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin leviticus 5 5 and 6 said when anyone is guilty in any of these ways he must confess in what way he has sinned and as a penalty for the sin he's committed he must bring the lord a female lamb or goat from the flock as a sin offering and the priest shall make atonement or payment for him for his sin that's what this whole thing is about in the law which was a symbol a representation When a person sinned because they were not sinless, they were not able to be sinless, it was a hopeless situation because the standard of the law was here and our conduct was here. And so they would have to be reminded of that and every year they would have to sacrifice for their sins and be reminded, you know what? My sin incurs a death penalty. Think about this. Think about a a nation. A nation that for thousands of years watches this sacrificial process And understands sin creates a death penalty. Sin creates a death penalty because holiness is up here. Because our conduct, our sin, our rebellion against God is here. And there's this gap. And there has to be a sacrifice made. Otherwise, I have to pay it. And so under the ceremonial law, that sacrifice is made. See, the law is the bad news that will one day open my heart to the good news of the gospel. The law is a ruler or a measure. Secondly, the law is a mirror, and that's a very important thing because we can, if we're not careful, be a little bit delusional about where we're at, can't we? I remember when I got a look in a mirror, um, I used to be a good basketball player. You notice I say used to, and I'm not talking just because I'm older now. No, I used to be pretty decent. You know, I mean, I was never great, but I was decent. I was, a lot of the guys I hung around with and played with, I was taller then, and I was fairly quick, and so I could probably, even if a guy was a little better player, I could, one-on-one, I could kind of make it hard enough on him, and I was also skilled at some subtle cheating, you know, so you get this little tag here. I'm kidding, folks, you look at me like, Pastor, that's terrible. I'm kidding. <laughs> some guys play basketball, goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. So, I mean, I wasn't bad, and there was this guy who was, became part of our ministry team. His name was Scott. And Scott was this, he was probably about 5'10", I'm 6'2", he's probably about 5'10". Had this nice little smile, glasses, and please understand, don't judge me on this, okay? Scott was whiter than I am, okay? And you know what I mean when I say this? Scott was a guy, I'm like, I I can take Scott. Had Scott been some street baller, okay, from Detroit, you know? I mean, with like a 22-inch vertical leap, I I would have known, okay, I probably am not going to do this. But Scott was just this nice, sweet guy with a nice smile. And so we're at this retreat, and he wants to play one-on-one. And I'm like, dude, you sure? You, want to, you know where this is going, right? I'm like, really? And Scott's probably four years older than me at the time. You know, I was much younger, and he's a little bit older. So I'm like, you, you, oh, okay, whatever. You, you want me to spot you? No, no, it's fine. You know where this is going, right? I got beat down so badly. Scott wasn't an inner city baller from Detroit, but he was from Indiana. Should have cued that. Should have have paid attention to that. He beat me so badly. And I mean, I'm serious. I'm trying to play this guy and I'm I'm doing everything I can. So like first basket, he goes by me. I'm like, oh, okay, good. That was lucky. Second time he goes by me. I'm like, okay, he's doing that too easily. And I mean, he's not shooting from the outside. He's running past me like I'm standing still. So I'm like, okay, no more man-on-man. Now i got to play zone. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is man-on-man. I can't play zone. And what was worse is the driving game up the middle that he was just mocking me with was not his good game. He starts then shooting from outside and just draining threes on me. And I'm like, dude, so now he's running all over the court. I'm just grabbing him, you know, kind of "Mm," as he's going by. Whatever I can. He's still smiling. He's not tired. I'm like this. Oh, you good? You good? Here's the thing. I don't remember if I scored. And you would think that'd be something I'd remember, wouldn't you? It was bad. It was real bad. You know, and I knew before I wasn't some great player, but I thought I was an okay player. Now I realize I was a terrible player. Because this was one-on-one. I watched this guy play with a group of guys. He's a really good player. But he's not some hot college stud. He's not some g- going to the pros. You kind of get this comparative thing where you, all of a sudden you're brought back down to reality. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm really good playing with the junior high girls from the youth group. I'm awesome against <laughs> them. But now with Scott, it's, it's like, whoa, a different universe opened up. And it's, what it does is it exposes self-deception when you play against someone who's like, Really good. And I gotta tell you, sports is not the only area where we can get caught up in self-deception. Really. I mean, think about people in business who kinda of start lying to themselves, and lying to themselves, and they're doing habits and things that are just broken, and they're totally deceived. But, but I'm not as bad as my competitors, so I'm okay. I'm not as bad as that guy, but I, I'm, I'm fine. How about politicians? And you know, I, here's the deal. I, you know, I know it's easy. They're, they're easy targets, politicians. But that system is messed up. It's it's almost like the whole system is, you could could convince yourself, I've got to misrepresent to get elected so I can do good. By the way, once you start doing that, once you start justifying for the greater good, yeah, that's a really broken, slippery slope. And see, the law is a mirror. Because morally... I can find people worse than me to compare myself to, just like in basketball. I can find someone who I can beat. It's harder these days, but I can still do it. The problem is that's not the point of comparison. The law is the standard, and it shows me my unrighteousness.
1: We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, here in San Antonio, Texas, in this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. In fact, you can find this whole series as a free download on the sermons link at reallife.org. And some very exciting news at River City Community Church as it continues to grow and serve the community. Here's a special invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: Hi, this is Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. I want to take just a moment and invite you to experience Saturday Nights at River City. This new 5 p.m. service beginning on February 1st will be an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights all designed to explore the real life that God designed us for. In fact, beginning in February, in all our weekend services, I'll be sharing a new series called Help My Family is Weird. Now, it doesn't get more real life than that, does it? We're going to take an honest and sometimes humorous look at what the Bible says about family life and see that while it can sometimes be weird, it can also be a great gift when we follow God's design. River City is located on Lookout Road right across from Atama Park with entrances on both Lookout and Evans Road. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is called reallife.org. To find out more about Saturday nights or our Sunday services, go to reallife.org. We hope to see you soon on the road to real life.
1: Welcome back as we return to this message called Jesus and the Law. This is Real Life Radio.
2: In Acts 15, there's a very cool passage beginning at verse 5. We read that some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up. Now, they had become believers in Jesus, and they were still part of the Pharisees. That's their background. That's their affiliation. They belonged to the party of the Pharisees. They stood up, and they said, the Gentiles, the new Gentile believers, they must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. This was a common issue in the New Testament church. Jews who'd been raised within Judaism... Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised one. They received Jesus. But they're like looking at all these new Gentile believers and go, wait a minute, they have to do everything we have to do. they got to read the Pentateuch. they got to do the 613 laws. they got to be just like us. And this is something that the New Testament church had to deal with. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders met to consider the question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe that was Acts chapter 6 god who knows i'm I'm sorry that's actually Acts chapter 10 they're talking about cornelius there from my lips the message of gospel and believe because they had this incredible incredible experience when they went and talked to cornelius and his household verse 8 god who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the holy spirit to them just as he did to us they received the spirit acts chapter 2 day of pentecost cornelius this centurion this gentile and his family all except Jesus and are filled with the Spirit God by his Spirit comes to fellowship with them and a whole lot of the first century Christian church at the time which was all Jewish up to that point they were all devout Jews some people say Christianity is fundamentally anti-Jewish it's anti-semitic that's ridiculous the whole first church was all Jews but now they're having this conversation do the gentiles have to do everything that we have to or we had to do in the law verse 9 he made no peter continues he made no distinction between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith really important now then why do you try to test god by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke listen that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Do you hear what Peter just said? He said, guys, are you kidding yourselves? We have never been able to live up to the law. That's the whole point of the law. We couldn't do it. Why would we ask the new Gentile believers to do it? Our forefathers failed miserably. They couldn't live up to the law. We couldn't live up to the law. That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ was such good news. And everything changed at that point. See, the law exposes my need it exposes my pride my self-righteousness my self-deception the self-deception of thinking on my own I can be good enough to earn God's favor the big question is what or to whom do I compare myself to see the law has been the standard and there's one perfect person according to the law and that is Jesus Christ you want to compare yourself to the standard compare yourself to Jesus Christ oh I don't like that comparison I don't do very well in that He beat me in morality worse than Scott beat me in basketball. I know. But that's the standard, folks. You want to see the perfect standard of the law lived out in a person? Jesus Christ. The only one who ever lived it perfectly. The only one who needed no sacrifice for his sins. Because he never sinned. See, the law is the bad news that opens my heart to the good news of the gospel. And here's where it all comes down to. Here's where we're getting. Here's the point. The law is a forerunner. That means the law went before and it was preparing the people for a savior. Luke 24, 44 through 49 says, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. He's speaking on the road to Emmaus to some believers. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Do you know that the law was all about Jesus? God's redemption through Jesus is, and in, in, that was the picture that God had in mind the whole time. Jesus goes on, verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in, the name to all, in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Talking about the spirit. But stay in the city till you've been clothed with power from on you see we got to go back to where we started from you remember Matthew 5 18 remember what Jesus said about the law I tell you until heaven and earth disappears not the smallest letter not the least stroke of the pen will be by any means disappear will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished what does that mean what is accomplished until what is accomplished in John chapter 19 you'll be reading that this week John chapter 19 beginning at verse 16 we're brought to the cross finally Pilate handed him over to be crucified so the soldiers took charge of Jesus carrying his cross he went out to the place of the skull which in Aramaic is called Golgotha here they crucified him and with him two others one on each side Jesus in the middle skip down to verse 28 he's on the cross later knowing now that what later knowing that all was completed and so the scriptures will be fulfilled jesus said i'm thirsty a jar of wine vinegar was there so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant lifted it up to jesus when he received the drink listen what jesus said jesus said it is finished with that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit what is finished when jesus died and gave up his life the law was accomplished it is finished. It's done. The law has been satisfied and fulfilled once and for all. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. The law demanded a death penalty. The law de- declared how good perfection was and how far below that our best day, our best righteousness was. And Jesus absolutely lived a sinless life, gave his life on the cross, and then offered it up for us. And when he had fulfilled the final requirement in every way. He's on the cross, and before he gives up his spirit, he says, it is is finished. The law has been satisfied once and for all. And now, whosoever will, may come and enjoy redemption and life with the Father. That is the good news of the gospel. Galatians 3:23 says but before before faith came we were kept in custody under the law being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed therefore the law has become our tutor our teacher to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith but now that faith has come we are no longer under the tutor for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ i want to say to you what that means is the minute Jesus said it is finished, that ended sin's hold on us. For whoever would profess faith in Jesus, give their life, put their faith in him, sin's hold is broken. Condemnation. Remember what Romans 8 said? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Sin's hold, sin's condemnation has been broken in your life. So what I want to say to you, stop it. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're constantly beating yourself up over sin, it is finished. Stop it broke the hold of condemnation, broke the hold of legalism. If you're still find yourself, I know I'm saved in Jesus Christ, but still, I can be good enough and I can be better than everyone else. Cuz I need to earn it. I need to get God's attention. Stop it. It is finished. You're caught up in self-righteousness, you're a scorekeeper. Yeah, but I'm better to Jesus than everyone else. That's like I'm the best of the really bad losers. And I don't mean to, I don't say that to put you down. I'm just saying remember the standard. And the whole point is, I can't live up to the standard, and neither can you. And Jesus said, I'll do it for you. And he did. And he gave his life. And it was finished. And here's the beauty. When I say sin has lost its hold on us, not just the hold of judgment, but the hold of I have to live into it. Because what Romans says there is not only did God pay for the penalty of our sins so that we could have a relationship with God, but that relationship is in the form of the Holy Spirit that now comes to live in our lives and empowers us to live differently. So I don't just get forgiveness of the sins of the past. He now empowers me to be victorious and overcoming in the future because His Spirit is now in me. His Spirit couldn't be in me before because of sin. Sin created that barrier. But now, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, pay the penalty for my sin. I can have a relationship with Father by His Spirit, and I can be empowered to live differently. Sin doesn't get the day anymore. Sin doesn't have to be the master in your life. You can be set free. That's the good news of the gospel. So the question is, what are you going to do? Musicians, would you guys come and begin to get ready? Here's your choices, okay? You can pretend you're good enough to satisfy the requirements of the law yourself, okay? And I, I want you to listen. Don't, don't, don't worry, the musicians are fine. They look exactly the same, same musicians, so you're good, okay? Because you're checking out. Are they switching? What are they doing? Here, here's what I want to ask you. Is your plan really to stand before Almighty God and say, but I was pretty good? No, God, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm good enough. You're going to stand before the throne of God in front of his white-hot holiness and tell him what a great person you are? I just want to say, he knows you, he knows you really, really well, he loves you exactly the way you are, but he also knows that brokenness inside, that sin nature. So I don't think that's a great plan. He offered an alternative. He said, how about instead you accept the free gift of salvation to my son, Jesus Christ? How about instead you get forgiveness and you may totally clean, no condemnation. We confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's the good news. Yeah, but then don't I have to kind of earn it afterwards? No, you do not. What you have to do is open your life to Jesus, let his spirit come in, because that's what salvation is. You can't have, like, salvation as an eternal insurance policy without the presence of the Lord, okay? The salvation is the presence of the Lord. That's the salvation. It's not a pass. It's redemption and his presence. And then just every day follow
1: Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as that concludes this series called Jesus Has Left the Building. If you'd like to revisit this message in this series, it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, You can see all the details, directions, and service times, including the new Saturday night service, also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.